So welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. I am delighted to be uh, bringing to you another creator interview, or in this case, creator's interview. So when it comes to creator stuff, I always ask, why should you listen to this podcast? Well, because today we're chatting with the creators of one of the best indie, nay, one of the best comics this year, That Texas Blood. Launched through Image Comics on 24th of June, this sun-drenched neo-noir made an impression on us immediately. It was one of our picks of the week on our weekly reviews podcast, and it's been at least an honourable mention every issue since. And that's just because we don't want to bore people by talking about the same thing all the time. I may have even gifted my fellow podcasters a signed second print copy directly from the artist himself. <laughs> that was a very gracious gift, Alan, to celebrate our 100th episode. Um... So a number one of uh, That Texas Blood were introduced to Sheriff Joe Bob Coates in Ambrose County, Texas, as he goes about his business on his 70th or 75th birthday. We're not just 100% sure. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe chat about that later. Uh, a word in his ear from his wife, and he's on the hunt for a casserole dish that she lent out, but the rest of his day takes a decidedly darker turn. Uh, and if you think uh, you know where it's going from there, you haven't got a clue. Uh, consistently surprising and foreboding. Uh, there's a little, it's a title tinged with with dread and regret and, and soul searching. It's an exploration of masculinity, the passage of time and the bonds that we make and break throughout life. And best of all, if you've somehow missed out so far, the trade is due out on January 14th, 2021. It'll be hitting you with six issues for the frankly ridiculous price of $9.99 or £9 if you shop with us. And if you don't believe us, maybe listen to industry jans such as Chip Zdarsky and Michael Lark, who, among others, have been full of praise for this modern Western. Well, today we are talking to the creators of That Texas Blood, the writer Chris Condon and artist Jacob Phillips. Gentlemen, thank you very much for chatting with us, and a very big welcome to the Coffin Heroes podcast. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having us. And welcome, Jacob. Hello, thank you. So the first question, of course, I have to ask with this wonderful year of ours is how have you guys been keeping in 2020? You know, it's it must be a surreal year for you with the success of that Texas blood intermingled with the state of the world. You know, with yourself being over in the States, Chris, how have you been? How have you been finding it? Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's a weird year um, and it's definitely a weird year to have a book released um, and also have, you know, emails tell you that it's a success, you know, because we're not seeing it firsthand you know that we might if we were at conventions or the like so it's it's been a weird year i i can't believe it's already december um you know it seems you know we're in COVID's time machine you know it's like <laughs> the year both exists and it doesn't exist at the same time <laughs> so weird but yeah it's, i mean it's i luckily nobody that i know in my family um, immediate family has had COVID or anything like that, so I can't really complain myself. But um, it's it's been trying in its own ways. And how about for yourself, Jacob? Obviously, we maybe understand your plight a little more, you know, being in the UK ourselves. Although we do have different governments dealing with it at the moment, but I think it's yeah. today that the UK, the mainland, is pretty much out of lockdown, but now into a tier system. Yeah, as of today, we're I'm I'm currently in tier three. Um, so I don't know what that means, but I can't go to the pub. And that's all. That's all. I know. Um, but shops are. I, I got to go to the comic shop today because um, that reopened this morning. Um, so that was good. But yeah, as far as the year's gone, it's been it's been rel- relatively similar to normal. You know, I, I can still go to work, um, unlike a lot of people, I guess. Um, and you know, just most of the day, I'm by myself anyway. In a 
in a studio. So in terms of that, it's been very similar. It's just, yeah, nightlife is no more. It'd be nice to be able to, you know, <laughs> hang out with some friends over Christmas. But, um, you know, I, I, I think I've been quite lucky, really. Um, like like Chris said, it's 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 nice, we've, like successful in terms of work. So um, that's sort of got me through it a lot, I think. Um, but yeah, obviously we can't see firsthand how, how much people enjoy it and can't meet anyone, which mm. is a, a bit of a bummer. But no, yeah, it's been fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> and and how have you kept yourself sane during this last nine months then, Jacob? You know, with pandemic and lockdown, is it loads of reading and TV, throwing yourself into tons of projects? Is it just work, as you said? Yeah, a lot of work. Um, I've been doing uh, Texas Bloods and we, for... On and off, we've been doing Brutal Dark as well, mm-hmm. um, which I've just started the third issue of today, and uh, a few other projects as well uh, that I've been sort of getting on with. So a lot of that, a lot of yeah, a lot of reading. I tried uh, to squeeze in going to the cinema as much as I could during the those sort of couple of months where we were allowed allowed in the cinema. Uh, yeah, lots of films, lots of lots of TV, yeah, just uh, trying to get on with it. <laughs> and what about your uh, what about yourself, Chris? Uh, TV and reading work yeah uh, definitely a lot of uh, i haven't been out to the the movie theater uh myself um since oh, when was that? i mean maybe march or february um so i've been just watching on my tv movies and and reading a lot a lot of, a lot of comics um been reading some books too um but also like jacob also just working trying to keep ourselves busy i guess i think that's the, that's the key <laughs> trick yourself into into not thinking about what's happening <laughs> it was scary here in the u.s you know yeah uh, early november <laughs> yeah very much so very much so <laughs> less said easier mended <laughs> i'm sure that could be a whole other separate podcast but we'll we'll stick to the comics we'll stick to the comics i mean i suppose the question has to be you know have you both always been in the comics you know what what would you have been reading growing up i mean start with yourself then chris sure um so i i mean i started reading comics fairly early on um started reading you know superhero fair i kind of was introduced to it through cartoons and movies uh, my parents weren't readers um, so I was re- introduced early to like Batman, X-Men, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, obviously. Um, so I was reading comics from a er- pretty early age. Had a local comic shop, which helped um, immensely in finding comics. And uh, but yeah, I, I also you know reading just the newspaper, you know Sunday funnies, things like that. You know Peanuts and Mutts and things like that. There's 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 a lot of just cartooning and comics that were a part of my life from very early on so that's that's how i was introduced to it and yourself then jacob i suppose it might be slightly different for you you must have grown up around comics you know given the the family business i suppose yeah um i don't think i was that into it i I definitely read comics pretty young when my dad was working for marvel and dc i would um they'd get sent you get sent a box of comps every month of everything that they put out so I got to just thumb through that, picking yeah. out whatever I want. But like Chris, I was sort of exposed to more to the to the animated stuff. So I was into Spider-Man and Batman and Superman and X-Men. So I was picking those sort of things out. And then when I got a bit older into my teens, I, I started getting into more of the sort of fantagraphics indie stuff. That sort yeah. of slice of life 
slow paced uh, stories that which is also what I'm into in terms of a lot of the films that I watch as well and a lot of the novels that I read so I think yeah back I got back into it then and I sort of that's where I sort of found what I like to then now I read sort of all sorts mostly image stuff but you know bits and bobs of uh, DC and, and, and Marvel as well and uh, and on that I guess I mean uh, Alan and I you know obviously it's a it's a, a simplification of the truth, but uh, you know I'm a big Marvel guy. Alan's a big DC guy. What about you guys, Chris? Marvel, DC, Indie? I, I mean, I, I used to say I was a DC guy through and through, yes. but it, it, it's becoming a little more uh, weighted towards Marvel these days. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jacob, what about yourself? I honestly don't know. Um, I sort of, I'm not that invested in either you know i um i'll pick i'll pick odd bits out of each but most of the what I st- what most of what i read is indies so you know i'll pick up the odd um like chips uh daredevil uh stuff i started reading that and then now i'm waiting and getting all the trades but um but that kind of thing um so just like odd stories like how I'll, I'll sort of dip into it and then and pull out but a lot of it i'm so so far behind on everything now that it's just an impossible task to then go in so i need new i need new uh series to get me back into it really but um mm. but like recently i've got um john paul leon's um creature of the night book so that was like well, that's one of the best books i've read this year so maybe that would put me on dc side you know? all right okay okay i can deal with that i can deal with that <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's interesting saying that as keith says it's a, it is an oversimplification to a degree because I think both of us now read more indie titles than sometimes DC and Marvel titles put Mm -hmm. together weekly, you know. Um, But with regards to comics itself, I mean, was there a single issue or title that you guys read that you maybe thought, this looks like an industry I could work in, this is an industry I'd love to work in? Was there there that sort of light bulb moment at any point where you just went, comics is is what it is for me? Start with yourself, Chris. Um, I don't know if there was any particular moment. I know that Darwin Cook's New Frontier was a big influence on me um definitely you know obviously alan moore's work was really influential when i read v for vendetta when i was maybe like 14 years old that was pretty influential that was like around the same time i was <laughs> reading like chuck Palahniuk and fight club and you know it's like very formative <laughs> for a young line to be like wait uh, that and um and definitely Frank Miller's Daredevil stuff was very influential as well. In terms of how I think about comics, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. How about yourself, Jacob? I don't think so. I think obviously because I grew up around it. And, you know, when I was young in, in the first house that we lived in, I uh, my room was next to my dad's studio. So I would um, spend all the time in there. So I just sort of grew up and it was just a normal job. You know, I didn't know any better. I didn't know that other people... You know, other people's parents didn't do this. It was um, it always just seemed like a job. And then I I, um, I I went more into freelance illustration. I was doing that for a few years um, out out of university. And then I sort of just fell into comics with with Chris because when we first started it, it wasn't even a comic, and I was just doing these these pieces freelance, these illustrations. Um, for Chris's script, I, uh, I love hearing stories like that. You know where, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't my destiny. I, I just sort of <laughs> landed on it. You know, I feel like my whole life's been like that. <laughs> you know, but, uh, 
So I guess, I mean, with regard to then, you know, maybe more so for, for Chris, I guess, based on, on what Jacob's just said, you know, with regard to, to education, you know, and, 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 and schooling, did, did you go to any sort of writing or, or art schools, you know, to develop your craft or, or to push in that direction? Or I mean, I, I had always, yeah, kind of gravitated towards art programs and things like that. I mean, even from middle school, there was a, there was a program in, in my middle school that they would send you off to another school for art. It's called Middle School of the Arts, literally. <laughs> um, so I, I did that in middle school and then high school. And then um, I, went to, um, I went to film school initially um, in California and then uh, finished up my degree as an English major with a film minor. Um, just because I, I saw, you know, not nothing against majoring in film, but you, you sort of get the impression that this isn't going to help me in the long run. And also when I was working for, I worked for a director, I worked for the director of Gremlins for a couple years. And, um, and he always said, I don't need film school. You don't need that. You know, because he came, he went through like the Roger Corman school of, you know, just working in an editing day and, you know, or not an editing day, I guess, just an editing room at that point. But anyway, yeah, so that was, I mean, I, yeah, I always kind of worked somewhere, you know, in schooling through all that. But, uh, you know, it was always art kind of mm-hmm. elevated. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Jacob, was it was it literally just falling in or, uh, or did you, you know, was it a natural talent developed or... I uh, well, I went. I did illustration at, at uni, illustration and animation, and I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to, yeah, I always wanted to draw. And all through school, I was all my GCSEs were, and and A levels were all like as art as I could go. So like, I didn't do, I didn't have to do any um, A level exams, which is pretty good. Like no, ri- <laughs> no nothing written. So um, and I haven't had to do it. Haven't had to do a written exam since um, I was sixteen. So that was a lot of wins. Yeah. yeah, so like, I was always trying to get out of that and just do more drawing. So I, you know, I did like photography, uh, art, and music, and that was like I was like, yeah, I'm going that way. Um, <laughs> do you play anything musically? No, I, I, I at the time I was playing bass very badly. I didn't know but, that. Yeah, I well, it was it was a uh, it was like music technology. So it was all about, it was all like you know mixing and live sound and stuff like that. But uh, he had to have an instrument, so I did. Uh, I played bass terribly. Well, just to continue sort of along the lines, you were saying, Jacob, that when you were growing up, you know, your father's studio was just next to yours and so forth. You know, he's, you know, Sean Phillips is certainly what I would call an industry legend. I've been a fan of his work for a long time. I just wonder, you know, was his success daunting for you in a way? You know, you know, sometimes there's always this worry about, you know, nepotism and things like that. Mm. You know, d- does that just make you more determined to prove the doubters wrong? Because when you think of comics, you know, there's not a lot of second generation artists. There's, you know, the likes of the Ramitas, there's the likes of the Cuberts, that kind of thing. But do you see it as a help or a hindrance, his success? Definitely a help. I think. Just in terms of he knows how to do it. So if I ever have something I don't know how to do or you know, a problem, I can just ring him and be like, oh, how do I, how do I fix this? Or how do I you know? What would you do in this? Um, which is great. And then obviously I think there's, there's definitely a, a point of like name recognition. And I feel like a lot of people would have picked up the book because he's like, Oh, that's Sean Phillips's son. Or even just like from, cause obviously I was coloring his stuff before Tesla even came out. So I think 
that definitely helped as well. That was that was definitely an in and got people knowing who I was. So it definitely been a help. I don't think I don't think no one's given me a hard time about it. You know, no one's ever been like, you don't deserve to be here. You know, you no, it's it's only been helpful, I think. And um connections are connections, you know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like yeah. just like yeah. being able to I know all his friends. I can be like, hey, do you want, would you do a cover? Um, which I would never be able to do just, if just I was... Just pulls out you know, the old ruler decks and goes, yeah, hey, will I get to do uh, a A lot of a people variant. that have never had a book out can't go up to Duncan Fogredo and be like, hey, do you want to do a cover for us? Obviously, well, Chris already had a connection to Duncan anyway, but, you know, it, it definitely it definitely has its perks. Well, suppose ultimately when it comes to art, you know, the art will always speak for itself. So, you know, there's not really anywhere to hide from it. So Yeah, exactly. I'm hoping people you know, like my art for what it is rather than, you know, because I'm my dad's son. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. If, you know, if if art, if art talks, then you're definitely speaking for sure. <laughs> you know, 100%. Uh, With regard to, I mean, uh, I mean, Brutal Dark was, that seemed like a real quick pitch. That was like, uh, I read somewhere that, I, that that Chris, you pitched that to to Jacob in, in April and it was released in May or something crazy. But, you know, the and I know that that, uh, that Texas Blood was sort of developed ahead of Brutal Dark also, you know, with Jacob. How did that, you know, you mentioned you mentioned that uh, earlier, but, but how did that partnership come about? You know, how did you guys meet or get in touch? Well, so I, you know, being a comics reader, I was reading Killer Be Killed. I started seeing the backups that Jacob would draw or the the illustrations for the backups um they would have like a film essay in the back of every every issue and jacob would do the illustration for that and i kept seeing them and i kept going oh these are really great and then one day i'm working on my script and i you know i'm trying to think of how i'm going to try to get funding together and it's you know it's hard to get funding together just based off of black and white words on a page so i thought you know why don't i get some concept art produced and first person that popped in my mind was jacob because I liked what he was doing. It was, you know, it's all like film centric. So I thought it'd be perfect. So I reached out to him out of the blue. I think I like emailed your DeviantArt page or something <laughs> and just said, hey, I have a script. If you like it, maybe you'll want to do it. Um, you know, and then he liked it. And that was the start of our relationship was just that. Um, and then he mentioned that, you know, it started as then and it became the comic. And the, it became a comic out of frustration. <laughs> Because I, I was trying to get funding for a year and it just wasn't happening. We would have like a promise of like, oh, uh, you know, I'll give you fifteen thousand, and then that would fall through, you know. So we had all sorts of stops and starts, and then we were trying to figure out where to shoot. We were going to shoot in Texas uh, for ob- obvious reasons, um, and then we thought of switching it to shoot in in LA and all these things, and just end up ended up just saying. In like December of 2018, I think I I emailed Jacob and just said, "Do you want to just do it as a comic?" <laughs> out, just let's just do it. And he was, uh, you know, obviously here we are now. Um, and I now I can't think of it as anything else. You know, it's just it's it's become its own thing. It's not the film anymore. It's it's now this. So oh, very very much is it very much is. Well, I mean, I suppose then it's it's no surprise that te- that Texas Blood is so cinematic. You know, it's you know obviously film was your original preferred route and so forth. I mean, what 
do you find many differences writing with you know a, a movie in mind or a TV show in mind or writing with a comic in mind? You know, are they similar disciplines and practices, or would you say they're completely different? I would say that they're similar. Um, I would say that comics is I would I would argue more difficult because um, it has to be more defined than a screenplay. Um, you have to you know choose your angle. I know that some people say that they write like plot uh, scripts, so they're not exactly as um, defined as what I'm saying. But uh, for me, it's like the way that I write them, I write each panel as, you know, what it's supposed to look like. So I have the angle, I have, you know, what should be in the, in the panel and all that. So it's a little, it's a little bit more descriptive. It's a little more um, complex in terms of, you know, having the craft, you know, each thing, as a separate entity before I'm, you know, finished with the script. So it's a little more, a little, a little more complex than writing a screenplay, I think, in my mind. You know, that, that film and that, the, the original concept, was it, was it just a film sort of what was contained in the first issue or? Yeah. So it was, it was a short film initially, which was the first issue. Uh-huh. And that, that was what we were trying to get, get going as a, as a short film. And then, um, that was going to piggyback into a feature. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, cool. Was that cool. original short film called Casserole Dish, or was it just called That <laughs> Texas Blood? <laughs> called Casta's Prologue, ah. um, which was the original name of the comic, and the second arc, which is now called The Brother's Conscience, was originally called That Texas Blood. And then Jacob was talking to somebody, and they were like, "That's a better title than Casta's Prologue." And I he, think it was. I think it was Paul Gravette. <laughs> I think he said, I think he was like, yeah, you should call it that instead. I'm like, yeah, he's probably right. <laughs> yeah. And then Jacob emailing, I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Very agreeable. So, I mean, we know, we, I mean, we, we understand, we've heard a rumor that, uh, that uh, the Titanic was a wee bit of a, a youthful obsession of yours, Chris. Oh yeah, uh, you know the Titanic was obviously built in Belfast. Whenever I I step out onto my veranda here, I can see the cranes, you know, that, that oh, down yeah. at Harland the Wolf. But uh, you know, with regard to that, and with regard to, to to movies, you know, and and those sorts of what what sort of movies like Titanic sort of stand the test of time for you guys, and and what in movies would be your your biggest influence? I mean, I'm I'm racking my brain. That's a hard question. That's yeah, a big yeah. question. It is. It is. Um, I wish you'd sent these beforehand. Um, <laughs> we, we like the spontaneity of you know putting you on the spot. Yeah. Of just me, I mean, an hour in for ten like, minutes. Go on ahead, Chris, and let the uh, yeah, yeah, you, you probably else have been lined up. <laughs> I think that the 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 films that stand the test of time for me. I mean, I I I do like James Cameron's titanic but i for me my favorite films are or i really i love billy wilder so i you know the apartment is a favorite of mine i always put that up there as one of my favorite films i love the conversation the francis Ford coppola film which is a great sort of noir uh, neo-noir um set in san francisco uh the original king kong from 1933 is a favorite film of mine um i'm pretty obsessed with stop motion animation uh, there's so, i mean there's so many though i mean we're doing the brutal dark stuff and i mean you can definitely tell that that's influenced by indiana jones for example you know so and that's a, rage lost ark is like perfect film you know uh, so there, there's there's 
I mean, there's so many of them. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking at my rows and rows and rows of Blu-rays over here next to me. <laughs> just, just look over my shoulder, and you can see, you know, inspiration for for Blu-rays and 4K. And all that. <laughs> yeah, I wish I sat in the other room in front of the Blu-rays. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like things like uh, like Indiana Jones definitely is uh, is up there in terms of like yeah, what inspires me to in terms of uh, in terms of comics making as well. Um, but yeah, like things like Stand by Me, that's like one of my favorite favorite films. But you know, I'm big into just like you know Star Wars and Back to the Future. Like Back to the Future is uh, probably my favorite film. But uh, any, anything choice. anything that like has a nod to the '50s, I'm all about. So um, like all that sort of Americana, uh, yeah, '50s yeah. American stuff is all of that is is my cup of tea for sure. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I have to ask with the film references, and I don't know if I'm. You know, just making this one up myself, but I had a reread of that Texas Blood before we came on, and I'm a massive Hitchcock fan. And there's a scene in issue three where Randy's being taken to the Kutner Ranch, and he's left out in what looks like a desert. And I yeah. couldn't help but think of Cary Grant in North by Northwest. I need to know if that was intentional. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think but, that was it. Was literally in the script, wasn't it? I think it was in the script. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, very well utilized because obviously it being a ranch, it's not in the middle of nowhere like the crop duster sequence, but the angles are done just well enough that, you know, it, it has that impression, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah very cool. Very cool. Um, I mean, for yourself, Jacob, you were obviously color, coloring criminal for some time and doing a wonderful job, I may add. I mean, another title that we have pushed massively in the store and on the podcast is Pulp that obviously we're filming or coloring on as well. Magnificent stuff. Magnificent stuff. Did you ever consider sticking to colouring, which is obviously a specialist skill in itself, or is it was just a case of, look, I want to be a lead artist, I want, you know, co-creator, all that kind of stuff? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I would want to do it for anyone else. I think I did it for my dad, and that acted as sort of a day job whilst I could work on Texas Blood. Because, you know, I get a page rate on that. Um, Whereas we only make royalties on Texas Blood, so until a couple of months ago, we hadn't we didn't see any money at all until we got the money in from issue one. So it wasn't. I never went out. I was like, oh, I really want to go and color other people's stuff. I think if if I had the time and it was a really good artist, then I might do it. Like I did a few pages for Duncan Figueredo on the uh, Duncan Jones Artist Campy Maddie book. Um, because that was just going to be really fun to do. And I love Duncan's stuff. So um, like that's cool to be able to do that, but I wouldn't want to do it all the time. I would much rather draw my own stuff. Because I, I, I still colour that anyway. So I still get that colouring fix, even if it's for myself. Um, and I can do what I want then. I think the good thing about colouring my dad is that we have the same taste in what we want. Whereas... I wouldn't want to work with someone else and then be like, no, don't do it like that. I do it like this. And I, I wouldn't be any good at that. So um, I've, done, I've done the odd thing, like like book plates and stuff like that, like one-off images, um, which has been fun because I get to try out different things depending on the artist. But um, there's not really that many people that I'd be like, oh, yeah, I really want to have a go at doing that. Um, and I can only really do one thing. 
So I, I don't, so if I did if I did loads of people, then everything would just look the same. I, can, I can't do proper colouring. I can only do what I do. So I don't know. I don't know if anyone would even want me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we hear Jacob that you uh, you work out of a shipping container. I do. Uh, yeah, in good times. Um, what is you know in your shipping container? What does your your standard working day look like? Particularly you know with regard to your guys, you know collaborative working uh how does how does how does a how does an average day work on 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 that texas blood um, usually i go in in the morning like half nine ten so that's a few hours before chris is even up so i'll i'll get to work and then usually about midday i'll get an email off chris like yep having my coffee i'll i'll write that thing that you need me to write uh, and then i just and i work through the day but we it's only ever email until we did we started doing interviews together we hadn't spoken on the phone before so wow. it was it's all emails and a bit of you know dms and that's pretty much how we communicate but it's like we've got a thousand email threads for different things and then you know every week or so that we start a new one <laughs> so <laughs> finding anything is impossible like whenever i need whatever i need chris to send me something i'll just i'll just email him like can you just send me that again because i don't want to have to go through and find that script from six months ago um so it's a lot of emails but yeah but it works i don't think there's no need for us to be on the phone no no i was just going to ask i mean when it, when it comes to obviously you're doing it through email chains and all the rest do do you guys very much stay in your own lanes you know do you are you very much the writer chris and you know and you're very much the artist jacob or is it a case of you can maybe suggest tweaks to the story or you chris can suggest tweaks to the art or how, how do you find that working, Chris? I mean, I think that we both say to each other, what do you think? And we like, uh, I would say like 99.9% .9 of the time, we just go, love it. Sounds great. You know, we just yeah. we stay in our own lane because the other person is creating work that we like, I think. Yeah, I think we just trust each other to do the job that we're doing. Um I don't think there's a p been a point where I've had to necessarily redraw anything or anything like that that you haven't liked. Um, yeah. It's usually just the only tweaks I ever make are, you know, dialogue tweaks that uh, that Chris isn't happy with what he wrote the first time. So, um, which happens. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which happens a lot. But um, in terms of like, changing what each other do, I don't think we ever really feel the need to. Yeah, we both right. just trust each other to, to do what we do. I mean, and also, I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to writing, so I, I wouldn't be any help. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, like, I, I in every script that I turn over to to Jacob, I I write on the top or somewhere in there, like maybe like this. This is what I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> like, and then he crosses it out, and you know, or like, or like sound effects and stuff like that. I'll be like, if you want to put this in, put this mm. in. I don't, you know, whatever. Like I, I know. Okay. I think the only change that I made was um, the last page of issue six. When I got to the last page, oh, yeah, obviously yeah. you guys haven't, haven't you haven't read it yet. Um, but I was like, what if we just end with this as like an extra add-on page? And that was like the only. I think that was the only input. And I waited till the very last page of the very last issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had it as a black page, I think, and that was yeah, was, yeah, it was a nice idea. Well, with that Texas blood, I mean, Image Comics seems a perfect fit for this, you know, certainly with obviously already 
John Phillips' work like Criminal and Killer Be Killed, but also things like Southern Bastards, I think, shares a very sort of similar uh, thematic. You know, did you guys aim for Image or were there any discussions with any other publishers? We had talked to other publishers. Well, we had sent out to every publisher we could. Um, some weren't taking submissions and some were. And Image has an open submission policy, so we just sent to their you know submission email. Um, I actually didn't think we were going to get Image. I mean, I'm not you know, me. I'm not. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm like, uh, we'll probably get some like whatever. You know, I don't know. We we got an email back from Image uh, a couple couple months later, and it was like, oh, this is this is perfect. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the the way that they've kind of just let us do whatever we want is pretty great. I would say. Yeah, uh, I think Image was always the uh, the goal. I think it was like that was like the high, like the dream. That would yeah, be the, the dream, yeah. Dream, um, and we got the dream, and I was like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we get left alone to do whatever we want. So that's pretty. That's pretty great. Ah, oh, fantastic, fantastic. So let's uh, so let's get uh, get right into the middle of uh, of that Texas blood. Then, so I mean. We understand from what you're saying, Chris, that it was originally conceived as a as a as a script for a screenplay, um, you know, and and that you explored the idea of releasing the story through that format initially. But where did the original idea, the original pitch, come from? What's the what's the origins of that? I well, I don't know why I like Texas and westerns and all that, but I do, and I gravitate towards it, and I've gravitated towards it for years, and then I befriended a family that's from Texas, and it further solidified my obsession with Texas um, and just getting to know the people there and, you know, just loving the way they talk and, you know, the, the slow pace of their life and, you know, and then obviously just like the darkness that just surrounds everything. It seems, especially out in you know, middle of nowhere, like in West Texas, um, just always gravitated towards it. But yeah, so the, the origin of the stories that became that Texas blood were, was really, based out of a, uh, there's a Larry McMurtry novel called Horseman Pass By. It's from either the early 60s or late 50s. And I, th- I think it might have been his first book. He, he went on to write The Last Picture Show, um, Lonesome Dove, a lot of other stuff. But um, his first book was Horseman Pass By. And that was adapted in the 60s by Martin Ritt into a movie called HUD, which starred Paul Newman. Um, and that was that was a movie that I saw, and it really hit me. And that takes place in West Texas, or maybe Southern Texas, but it takes place in Texas. And I sort of thought to myself, what if, you know, what if this character left and like bettered his life, and then came back and just like fell right back down into the uh-huh. hole. And yeah. that was the that was the impetus for the story. And then, so in creating that, I ended up like crafting, you know, okay, there's going to be a sheriff. There's going to be a this, there's going to be a that and kind of all that. And then, um, once the comic came around, I, I had eventually amassed like a bunch of ideas that took place in West Texas or in Texas. And I sort of just was hit with the idea of like, why don't I just take all these different ideas and just set them in one County, you know, sort of Stephen King style like mm-hmm. stand by me you know mm-hmm. stand by me and it all takes place <laughs> yeah yeah uh so that sort of clicked with with me and i was like oh all of a sudden i have all these ideas now that kind of mesh together 
Um, so that was the origin, I guess. Long-winded way of yes, that was the origin. Yeah. I wanted to throw in, you know, I thought that the release schedule for that Texas Blood was extremely brave. You know, it's, you know, the world was, and let's be honest, still is in a very precarious state. Uh, you know, lots of fear what the future will bring, both personally, professionally for so many people. And then this indie book drops, and it found an audience almost instantly. You know, it seemed to really resonate with people. I was just wondering, you know, how terrifying was it releasing it at that time? And then how satisfying was it to have it be as successful as it was? Yeah, well, originally it was it was scheduled for, I think, was it two, was it a month, a month earlier than it originally came out. And May. then, yeah, it was scheduled for May. And then obviously COVID hit and everything got stopped. We didn't know when it would come out. We, we, we got pretty lucky that it only got pushed back a month. But originally we thought, oh, this could, this could be a year or it could never come out, which is why we started doing Brutal Dark, because we were like, well, let's do this let's do something and then we realized it was only a month and i had to get back on drawing texas blood again <laughs> um i think we got quite lucky that it came out when it did because that's when books started coming out again and everyone was hungry for books so you know as soon as it came out everyone was like grabbing everything and then and i think a lot of people picked it up that wouldn't necessarily have picked up uh, otherwise and then ended up liking it hopefully and and carried on and carried on reading it but i think i think that actually did us quite well um obviously we never know how it would have done if that wasn't the case but um i think from what i what i think anyway is yeah that it did us actually quite well and people were looking for stuff to read and and obviously yeah people were not going out so they needed as many books as they could possibly get so i think yeah we did pretty well from it yeah that's good that is good and tell me Jacob, have you ever been to Texas? No. I nope. keep looking at flights because it's not that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's only about 400 quid to get there. Um, so I'm like, oh, maybe I should go and draw this second arc. Like, for, you know, go for like two weeks and, and <laughs> drive around and try and, uh, and and find stuff to put in, the, in this second arc and, and try and draw some over there. But obviously yeah. it's all very much dependent on what happens in the next few months but that'd be amazing if i could do that that's 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 the goal and uh you know chris you you, you had said you know obviously your your love and your the draw towards texas and you'd, you'd mentioned you know stephen king's you know fictional version of of me and you know castle rock and all that is that what you you chose to make to, to set it within a fictional place within a real place so you could play a wee bit or I'm a big Stephen King fan, so it's definitely I, I sort of gravitated towards that idea anyway, of just you know having a place where everything happens. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I love that idea. So I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it also made sense to me so that if anybody has a problem with how we're depicting Texas, I can just point and say it's a fictional Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a defense mechanism as well. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. Very just cool. just big, protecting uh, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> big, uh, big Stephen King fan myself. Actually, I just, I just started, uh, started reading, rereading the, the, uh, the comic book versions of the Dark Tower. Uh, oh yeah. Some yeah. fantastic stuff there. So. Uh, and then, where does the character of Joe Bob come from, Chris? You know, is he based on anyone you've met along the way? Is he a, an amalgam of famous sheriffs throughout fiction, or just a pure original? Uh, I mean, he's kind of, I'd say he's based on, uh, my friend's father, whose name is Joe Bob. 
Um, that's where I got the wells from. Everything was, well, we'll think about that and we'll get back to you. you know, <laughs> everything was, well, that was like, that was where I got that from. But, um, I, the, the sort of world weariness of him is, is just created. I think that's prob that's, a, that's a trope for, you know, I feel like that's like a well-worn trope for a sheriff figure. Uh. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to, to make him as uh, weary of the world as maybe we are, you know, and just and sort of tired of everything, you know, and just being out there in this place and just being like he's the only guard against whatever's going to happen. And just like he's just tired of that being how it is, you know, yeah. that was where he came from, I guess. You were talking about that that slow pace of life you know and he certainly has that that slow pace with regard to you know how he relates to people and but it comes across as it comes across as as thoughtful and considered and that there's a there's the the pace might be slow but the thinking definitely isn't slow you know so uh yeah pretty awesome yeah i tried to give him a lot of internal dialogue yeah (laughs) actually saying anything and that's kind of where the wells come in i know some people are annoyed by it i saw there was a good read review that just said well 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i don't know i like it <laughs> yeah, good. i hadn't Jacob. seen that one <laughs> jacob do you I did you uh looking and she said uh geez this guy's kind of harsh you <laughs> have it what does it say <laughs> uh, criticisms, criticisms. Did you have anyone in mind, Jacob, or uh, whenever you were uh, you were drawn, Joe Bob? Whenever you were you were uh, yeah, it was him? it was Sam Elliott. Yes, we were right. Um, <laughs> take that one. I just couldn't think of anyone, but I, I like I like the thought of him having his voice as well. I think it works. Um, but yeah, and and just that, yeah, that's it was mostly. Sam Elliott in Parks and Rec when he played Other Ron. And he's like really calm and centered and just like, and he's sat on the floor with his sandals on. And that's what I was thinking of. Just that sort of, yeah, it's that, well, it is, it's that, it's that slow pace and yeah. like thoughtfulness. And I think, and also like, he's a really likable guy. And I think Joe Bob's a really likable character. Mm. So it just sort of, it made sense. And the big mustache. It makes sense. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, you know, with regard to uh, to the depiction of, of Joe Bob and, and his wife and their 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 marriage, their relationship is so so grounded. You know, it it really it, it does seem like the the grounding part of the book, and you really feel the the depth of the history between those two characters, the the depth of their feelings, uh, and yet you, you know you achieve that 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 through so little you know what i mean it's it's there's a real um a real economy in how that's achieved you know it's fantastic uh the art's spectacular for the scenes that that uh you know otherwise are very general day-to-day life you know it's uh tell us a wee bit about that that relationship you know between joe bob and his wife um i mean it's it's sort of based around um the the people that i would meet i've, I've traveled across the country an awful lot the united states i'm from new jersey 
lived in California, and instead of flying all the time, I would occasionally drive. I drove across the country maybe six or seven times. And so the people you would meet, I remember in New Orleans talking to a couple that had been together forever. You know, and they were asking me if I was in a relationship and, you know, yada, yada. And I don't know why they're asking me about this, but, you know, that sort of, so that sort of American uh, life, you know, sort of permeated how I would characterize, you know, these these two, Joe, Bob, and Martha. Um, and I also, I mean, I, I, I love that their relationship is sort of almost like a kid and his mother, <laughs> you know, or she's always like, Cleaned your room, and he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> That's sort of what their relationship is, and I think Joe Bob enjoys that, you know, and I think Martha enjoys that as well. And I think that's the thing is that they enjoy each other, and um, and I think that they both have a depth to them. And I know that in how I'm planning on doing the series, you know, writing, and, and I'm trying to explore them more, and I will explore them more, and I'm yeah, really. There's a great scene. I, those are my favorite scenes to draw, and there's a great one that I've just um, I've just thumbnailed the first half of number seven. And there's a great scene in that, uh, which is just those those two interacting. I think you, you, I think Chris, you sent me an email. It's just like this is the line I've just written. Here's the update of, the, of how it's going, um, and it's just about them arguing about who's going to get the towel. Yeah, um, and it's just like it reminds me of. Um, I recently rewatched when Harry met when Harry meets Sally, and um, the interviews that are sort of cut in throughout the film of the the elderly couples talking about how they met and their lives together. And it reminds me of it reminds me of that. It's like you get such a good picture of who they are from just that you know thirty second clip of them having a conversation. Yeah, um, and I think I think Chris does that really well. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys have done that really well. There's one scene, I can't, I can't remember the issue, with the two of them just sitting across from each other at the kitchen table. And I just, that that's my favourite scene in the book. <laughs> just love it, the, <laughs> the, 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 just the, the subtleties of it and the, the, the dialogue between the two. Well, dialogue between the two, but Joe Bob doesn't really have very much to say for himself. <laughs> but, uh, but his response, you know, his one-word response is say everything. Fantastic job, fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to ask, you know, is Joe Bob a toy boy in this is he five years younger he is that's good see the reason i ask is that i i when i really enjoy books and we're getting ready to you know interview people and all the rest i like to read a few different reviews and i in some reviews he was 75 in some reviews he was 70 so this confused me so i went back and read it and you know i'm sure you know the line of dialogue inside and out but just for the listeners it's I've been 70 for five years now, so don't you start complaining. So for me, this is his 70th birthday, and she's yep. 75. Yep. Perfect. I'm, I'm just glad to confirm that theory. It's a little mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, this might seem like a silly question, but I have to ask it. You know, are there any discussions at any point about integrating that Texas blood into the world of criminal? You know, for me, they link up so well in content, atmosphere, thematically, character. And it's genuinely one of the best compliments I can give you guys that it reminds me of peak level criminal. You know, any chances of a crossover? I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I thought it might be a silly question, but it's just 
I don't know, certainly with Donny Cates' book coming out recently, crossover and you know fictional mm. worlds colliding and so forth like that. It just really I mean, does, it, in the best possible way, it reminds me of peak level criminal. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's not an idea that anyone's discussed, I don't think. But um, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> Well, I have it on record now that I suggested that to you, so I'll expect my <laughs> my my royalty checks in the mail. I mean, how long of a story do you have planned then for that Texas Blood? You know, is it planned out volume by volume, dependent on success, or do you have a long arc in mind? Yeah, so I have um, I have a plan for thirty issues. I like that number. I like it's sort of almost so that the initial idea was six issues per volume and that would be how we'd do it and i thought it'd be really nice to have six issues per five volumes um so 30 seems like a good number to me but yeah i i know where it's gonna end the the trick is the the screenplay passes for a lot so when i when i told you that the initial idea was brother's conscience that's true but i ended up liking joe bob so much in the short that i wrote that I wrote a complete different feature starring Joe Bob. And so that's the conclusion of his story. And so that's really, I feel like where I got to know him uh, was in writing that. And so kind of to find his character there, I mean, to sort of just give you a taste of what it is, it's going to be a father son road trip across Texas, um, obviously with some criminal elements involved, but uh, that's what the last arc of, Texas Blood will be. So you have to look forward to. A little exclusive there. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what the feature was, and um, yeah. So that's that's the idea. Thirty, I guess. Thirty issues. If, wow. if they allow us, you know, if they don't, if they don't pry it away from yeah. us. Uh, uh, well, well, if if they don't allow you, we're gonna riot. So yeah, <laughs> you know, you, we've got your back. We've got your back. So. So, I mean, in my in my day to day, I work sort of in the music industry here in Northern Ireland, you know, such as it is. And Alan is a huge proponent of soundtrack and your comic reading, you know, with, with with something in the background. And so the 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 TTB playlist, which mm. is updated, you know, with every issue, it's a real insightful gift uh, that's totally made for for both myself and Alan. And thanks for going that extra mile for your fans. I have to say, um, tell me a wee bit about how that how that comes about and how it's developed and how you choose the tracks and so forth i don't i i've been seeing that kind of thing a lot more in comics now and i don't know where it came from i didn't see it before anywhere but where i got it from was i i really like the author michael shabon and he does that at the end when he releases a novel he'll release a playlist and say this is what i, li- I was listening to when i wrote and so i i thought that was a cool idea um and i thought that you know since it was like originally a film idea it'd be cool to kind of give people a virtual soundtrack of what, you know, might be both uh, diegetic and non-diegetic sound, you know, what's happening on, on the ground in Texas, and then also, like, what's, you know, would be sort of influencing the emotions of the reader when they're uh, reading. So um, that was really where that came from in terms of coming up with the playlists. I just, uh, I sort of take, like, an idea of what I want the feel to be, and so, I mean, if, if you listen to the second arc playlist, you'll note there's a lot of heartbreak and, like, breakup songs and things like that that are in there. And that's what I, I wanted that to feel like. And then the first arc playlist was uh, a lot of angry 
songs mixed in with a lot of like just classic country western, mm-hmm. which I would imagine Joe Bob will listen to when he's driving around, um, when he's not talking to Martha on the on the radio. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I'm working on three right now of the third playlist right now as I'm writing, and I'm just like because it, it takes place in the 80s uh, uh, third yeah. arc and so I'm working on like finding you know like little like 80s nuggets and things like that so I'm, I'm having some fun with that but uh, yeah I mean that's that's really where it came from in the gestation of it is just like just sitting there reading like rereading the stuff that I wrote and be like okay this is kind of this kind of feels right or whatever and then I also I'll send it to Jacob when I'm finished with him and he I know that you listen to at least one of them while you were drawing. Yeah, I put it on the other day whilst I was done there, and it was like, it is, it is definitely, like, it definitely sets the tone. So I assume it's doing the same thing for the reader as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, very and much so. People like it. I mean, that was, it was just a thing I was throwing in there. I don't know if, you know, same thing with, like, a letters page. It's like, are people actually going to, you know, read this? I don't know. And then we started getting emails. So it was really cool. Yeah, I think it's a great way of giving sort of extra depth and value to comics as well. You know, it's mm-hmm. here's the story we laid out. Here's a, a, a crime essay at the back. Here's my take. This is what we're working on. So I, I think all these things come together in the modern world to just give you that added value, you know, and keep people reading single issues because, you know, we, we talked earlier about, you know, Chip Zdarsky, for example. I always loved that Chip and Matt put the letters pages answering people's sex problems at the back of sex criminals but they weren't in the trade, so it was sort of rewarding those old-school readers, you know? Yeah. So, um, I mean... Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely good to have uh, have things like that. In, in, yeah, in the single issues, and then keep offering different things for different... You know, put something else in the trade or in, you know, in the eventual hardback or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone loves extras, so... Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. And have you guys any other projects sort of in the pipeline to work together? You know, are you do you have a desire to become one of those, you know, classic writer creator duos? You know, your Bruce Baker Phillips, sorry I had to use it. Uh, your Snyder Capullos, your Wade Samneys, you know. Uh, do you guys just want to focus on that Texas blood or do you have other ideas in mind to work together with? We've got, we've got Brutal Dark um, that we're, we're still working on slowly. I, I've finally got back to uh, drawing it again. Well, we're doing this third, uh, the third chapter, um, and then we're gonna look at it again and reassess where we're gonna take that. But um, I think at the moment it's just getting Texas Blood done because there's there's so many stories still to tell in that world. That I don't think we want to go off and do anything else until that's sort of wrapped yeah, up. Sort of split that um, focus. Yeah, and I don't want to go off and then completely forget about Texas Blood and never come back. Which is always the risk, isn't it? And what about any desire to 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 swing it back round again? Any desire to work in in superhero comics? I mean, dark western slash noir slash superheroes. Where does that get you? That gets you what, like the Phantom or the Shadow or something, doesn't it? Any uh, any desire to work in superheroes? Yeah, if the opportunity arose, maybe. I I mean, I don't have any plans of writing any like creator owned superhero stuff or anything like that um, i love reading you know superhero stuff but i'm not sure how i'd feel about writing it i i also haven't really given it too much thought though mm, the fair, stories fair. that i tend to write tend to be you know like texas blood or real dark not so much. not much thought but if it if it came my way maybe never know 
Uh, what about what about on the uh, on the art end, Jacob? Um, I don't think I'd be very good at it. I don't. I would like to if it was a good book, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go and just do some you know like random superhero story for three issues. I don't think that would be very fulfilling for me. I, I and I don't think I don't think I'm good enough at doing that sort of like action stuff. I think I'm better at drawing people sat at the table having a chat. Um, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that I enjoy. I enjoy the sort of subtleties of, of, of the emotion and, and like people's faces and stuff like that. I don't, I don't want to draw a, uh, a car chase particularly because I just don't know how to do it. And I think I'd rather <laughs> leave the people that are really good at it so I can sit, I can enjoy reading it uh, to do that stuff. I don't know. It'd be cool to do like a Batman detective thing. Which is just a lot of him studying corners of rooms, looking at stuff. That'd be good, but that'd just be for you know pure nostalgia's sake. I think like that. It'd be cool to be like, oh yeah, and it would, and it would be cool to tell my friends that don't read comics that I drew a Batman comic because they know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know how impressive it is when I'm like, oh yeah, I've got a comic out. Oh, it's about Texas, and they're like, cool, I guess. Yeah, well, all they have to do is read it, and they'll be impressed. Yeah, but you know, it'd be cool to do something like that but I'd, I'd love to do like you know a star wars book or something like that but in terms of like superhero stuff i'm not that bothered but then yeah if the opportunity arose i probably wouldn't say no <laughs> an indiana jones book yeah, an indiana jones book is what i want to do yeah. <laughs> i suppose it's a case of who would even have the license for indiana jones these days it used to be dark horse i think um, and, yeah, I don't know. and it's paramount so it doesn't fall under disney's massive umbrella um, I mean, if I had to suggest one for you guys based on that Texas blood, and this was something I only really caught more of on a reread, you know, the supernatural elements pile in there as well. Maybe a little John Constantine, something like that. That would be yeah. fun. I mean, I like I was saying, Stephen King, you know, <laughs> I I just I always gravitate towards that stuff. But I, I sort of love an idea of like, you know, this sort of like true detective season one of this sort of like implication of something underneath mm. the surface. Um, and so that's definitely uh, filtered into um, my writing of that Texas one. I mean, a lot of a lot of it comes from like, for example, like It or or Salem's Lot or The Shining, where there's all these sorts. Of, everything's got a history to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I really wanted to try and bring to um, to that Texas blood. So um, there's. For example, there's there's like a, a hotel in in the in the town, and that's going to come into play a little bit later. And you know, there's that diner in the town, and you know, we, we're getting to know what's happening in that. But it's also just like the soil itself seems to like, you know, mm. stories to tell. So I'm just thinking the things you're saying, and uh, you know, recently there's been a real uh, resurgence in the interest in uh, in Lovecraft and Cthulhu stuff. Uh, you know, and there's a, I think it was Aftershock have a have a Miskatonic book out, the first issue come out, but uh, yeah. geez, you guys on something something Lovecraft related would be interesting. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that would be really cool. We were, we were, I mean, I kind of stopped watching it, but we were both watching uh, Lovecraft Country even that. Oh uh, yeah, I have one episode still to watch, and I don't think I'll ever watch it, probably. That's what I, I do. With, I, this is what I do with most TV shows. I never watched the last episode. So, uh, you know, that's funny. I I've seen the entirety of Lost, but I've never seen the finale. 
I'm the same with um, Game of Thrones. Never watched the last episode. <laughs> and and just to throw it out there, I'm actually the same with Ash versus the Evil Dead because I don't want it to be over, so I refuse <laughs> to watch the last episode. So we 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 all have our reasons, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you you guys have been you know ridiculously generous with your time and all the rest. Um, we we just always like to finish on any time we're chatting to creators within the world and. You're going to love me putting you on the spot here, Jacob. But we always like to finish on your favorite ever DC title, your favorite ever Marvel title, and your favorite ever indie book. And I'm going to go to Chris first because I have a feeling you might need to think about it, Jacob. <laughs> Let me just look at my shelves. Favorite DC title, I'll go back to the well and I'll say New Frontier. Uh, really love Darwin Cook. Marvel. Uh, I'm going to go with a more modern title. I'm going to say Immortal Hulk. Brilliant uh, choice. Brilliant choice. I think it's the best Hulk. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, it's brilliant in that theory. Like, well, let's make it like a Cronenberg movie. Really, really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and an independent book. I kind of want to say Parker, but then I'd be throwing Darwin Cook twice in there. No, uh, that's okay. That's I'll, I'll take Parker. I'll take Parker. <laughs> take Parker. Uh, <laughs> You thought that was you off the hook there. I don't know. There's also just so many, so many good things out there. I mean, I really like Black Hammer. And yeah, let's go with that. Uh, you know what? Let's go with Head Lopper. I just saw it on the show. I'll go with Head Lopper. Why not? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> right. How about yourself, Jacob? You're on the spot now. In terms of indie, probably Parker, which I only got into like a year ago um, and just can't get enough now. Marvel and DC. Look, I really like Creature of the Night. That might be up there for DC. Mm-hmm. And today I got that new Wonder Woman book. Um, Dead Earth. Yeah, that looks great. But I haven't read that yet, so I can't say that. Um, it, it is rather excellent. I, I, I will it? back you up. As, as an artist as oh. well, you will appreciate the words Daniel Warren Johnson builds there. It yes, is. I love his stuff anyway, so it's I awesome. could not get it. I'll be reading that tonight. And yeah. finally for Marvel, what will it be? Um, Chris Samney and uh, Matt Wade's uh, Daredevil run. Oh, see, I knew you were a man with taste. I knew that. That's uh, that's fantastic to hear. Great choice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been a genuine pleasure to chat to you guys. You know, we we love talking to people who you know have a love for the art form, people who produce some of the books that we love, and and to be honest, you know. Keith and I, as we say, we're, we're big DC Marvel guys, but the indie comic market at the moment is insane. The amount of talent, you know, for a long time it was just Image, but now it's Boom, now it's Scout Comics, it's Vault, it's IDW, it's Dark Horse. There's so much variety. I think we genuinely are living in a golden age of indie comics at the moment, and, and I thank you both for adding to that. So um, I, will, I will leave my thank yous there and, and let Keith sign off then. Yeah, an absolute an absolute pleasure, gents, and uh, you know, just uh, the 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 book is it's phenomenal stuff. You know, the it, it, atmosphere oozes out of it, like it absolutely oozes out of it. You know, so just keep doing what you're doing, and thanks very much for your time. Uh, we we really appreciate it, and you know, with regard to uh, with regard to your own stuff, where can uh, where can can our listeners keep in touch with you guys for upcoming announcements and all of that good stuff? Um, probably Twitter is probably the best place for both of us. Uh, mine's uh, Jacob R underscore Phillips. Mine is at Christoph Condon, C H R I S T O P H Condon. 
Yeah, well, we'll certainly include the links in uh, in the description for this as well. And and then just one final word of, if you haven't read it yet, the trade is due in January, guys, and do yourself a favor and treat yourself to give yourself something to look forward to in 2021 after the uh, the interesting year 2020 has been, shall we say. So, <laughs> But yeah, we will leave it there, as I say. Thanks again for this, guys. Much appreciated, and uh, keep up the great work.